you're probably sick of hearing us say urgent and crisis and we really need you. And that's a symptom of a two-year pandemic, but the blood supply is is very low again. And we need first-time donors and people to brave the cold weather and come out, bring your neighbor, help spread the word through social, and it's a really cool thing to do. Good morning. This is Epicenter NYC. We connect our communities to news, information, and each other. I'm Andrea Pineda Salgado. Since the start of the pandemic, there's been a dramatic drop in blood donations. And now, the United States is facing one of the worst blood donations in decades. New York City is no exception. To give you a sense of just how much New York City hospitals need, it's around 33,000 blood donations every month. And throughout the past two years, there have been times where hospitals were collecting as little as half of that. It has now become dangerous for our neighbors who need blood. But a lot of New Yorkers are still hesitant to donate for a lot of reasons. One big fear is the fear of catching COVID. This is why organizations like the New York Blood Center are taking extraordinary measures to stop the spread, doing everything from double masking to requiring staff to be vaccinated. Today, a conversation with Andrea Seffarelli about why now, more than ever, we need to step up and donate. Andrea is the Senior Executive Director at the New York Blood Center. Now, a quick message from our friends and sponsors at McKinsey & Company. Find out about the biggest ideas in business on McKinsey's Insights app, where you can listen to podcasts like our flagship show, The McKinsey Podcast. We're so not tuned in to the dynamic going on for the current employees. What matters to them most? Or watch our author talk series featuring law professor Dorothy A. Brown. 60% of Black college students don't graduate. And when I came across that statistic, I got so depressed. And read lots of articles about, for example, The Next Normal, where you can learn about the coronavirus's latest impact on business. To hear, see, and read more, download McKinsey's Insights app now. Now, back to the show. Here's my conversation with Andrea. Um, So tell me about the shortage. When did it begin? So honestly, throughout the pandemic, there's been a real challenge in maintaining a blood supply. And that's because of all the things that we have become familiar with. So off and on remote learning, pre-pandemic, we got about 75,000 annual blood donations from first-time high school and college blood donors. And the majority of these high schools and colleges are not yet back hosting blood drives. So that's a significant loss in first-time donors, you know, having their first experience saving a life. Then you have all of the corporations or organizations that are letting their employees work from home and not coming back to offices. So they're not hosting blood drives. And then the 
Omicron variant, you know, as we ended the holidays and went into the first of the year, is putting increased pressure on workforces, hours included, where, you know, just significant portions of the workforce are seeing their employees out either because they're sick with Omicron or on safety protocols where they might have been exposed. And so all of those things are just making it extremely challenging to uh, maintain the blood supply. And then the two weeks of the holidays, you know, the holiday fell on a Friday. So the we lost two days of collections for two weeks in a row. So it's kind of the perfect storm and our blood supply is at about three and a half days. So before the pandemic, most of the blood donations would come from schools and universities? No, about 25%, but they were, uh, you know, they were a significant portion of our blood supply. And so were all the organizations. So there are churches that haven't returned to hosting drives because fewer people are attending services and masses. Corporations that had these significant employee blood programs, but now their employees are working remotely. So you can't go to a, a high rise or a business you know, that doesn't have their employees in the building. So there's just so many changes to our day-to-day life that are making it harder to get blood donors. Yeah. And do you have any exact numbers of how many donations you would get before the pandemic versus now? So New York Blood Center requires approximately 30,000 blood donations a month, and it changes every month. So early in the pandemic, we were collecting half of that when the world was, you know, shut down during the full shutdown. Mm -hmm. And we've been slowly increasing the amount of blood donations. And in December, we actually collected Mm 29,000, which is really pretty good. But the other thing that's happening as we go through the second year of the pandemic approaching, you know, soon to be the third year, the need for blood is rising. So hospitals need about 33,000. So it's that gap every month between what we're collecting and what they really need. We never get a chance to catch up. There isn't any cushion. The other thing that would happen pre-pandemic, if one area of the country did not have enough blood, blood centers across the U.S. would share. So if New York had a nor'easter and Texas is great, we might share blood back and forth. Or if Texas had a hurricane like Hurricane Harvey, blood centers across the country would help. There's no excess in the entire U.S. and that's what's making it kind of an unprecedented situation. And, you know, what are the consequences of this blood shortage? So we try everything within our power to to get more donors out so that the hospitals don't have any interruption in care. And that's our responsibility and, you know, to make sure that if, if a cancer patient needs platelets or a trauma patient needs red blood cells, that it's there for them. Yeah, and what kinds of people need blood donations? So um, cancer and leukemia patients need red cells and platelets. Platelets are like a million tiny Band-Aids, you know, that prevent internal bleeding. Plasma is used in trauma situations, but also burn victims. Red cells can be for chronic diseases like thalassemia, sickle cell, or a common knee surgery, heart surgery, or any kind of surgery. 
and in addition to trauma, any major trauma. And what blood type do you guys most need? So we need all blood types, but there are some special ones. So O negative is what we call the universal donor. O negative is the one type, if you have it, that you can give to anyone else of any of the eight blood types. And it's only present in about six or eight percent of the population, but it's the type used in a trauma. So if you're in a car accident, go to an emergency room and you need blood quickly, you'll get ONEG because it's safely transfer, uh, fusible to anyone. Mm -hmm. So ONEG is at about a 1.5 day supply. O positive is fairly common, about 35% of the population, but it's also needed because it's common. So our O positive is also at a 1.5 day supply. And then BNEG is, is about a two, and overall, like I said, our, our inventory is about a, a three and a half. The good news is partnerships like yours, we are seeing an uptick this week in appointments. News coverage can make a significant difference in donor turnout. And I know you mentioned that during COVID, you know, there's been less donations and some people might be scared because they don't want to get COVID. So how, how's the New York Blood Center ensuring that everyone is COVID safe? Sure. So we've gone to extraordinary measures to keep our donors and our own staff safe because we're a we're frontline workers, we're essential workers, and you know you need a constant supply of blood. So even when masks you know started to not be required in the fall, our staff wear masks, and we require our donors to wear masks. Um, our staff are all fully vaccinated. We make sure to um, clean all of our equipment and tablets between every donor, and we prefer appointments. That's easier to manage the, the flow of donors through our blood drives and donor centers. Uh, and all of our refreshments that you, juice and cookies that you give after you give blood are individually wrapped, and, um, and we're working very hard to keep people safe. If you had a call out to New Yorkers, what would you tell them? I'd say you're probably sick of hearing us say urgent and crisis and we really need you. And that's a symptom of a two-year pandemic, but the blood supply is, is very low again. And we need first-time donors and people to brave the cold weather and come out, bring your neighbor, bring your 17, 16-year-old child, donate as a family or as a group or host a blood drive, or if you can't do either, help spread the word through social and who you talk to that it's a really cool thing to do. Mm -hmm. And it's easier than you think. How long does it take to donate blood? We tell people to take an hour. So you come in, you show your identification. If you're a first time donor, we enter your you know demographics. You fill out a questionnaire. Then we take your vitals, your blood pressure, check your iron, go over your questionnaire. Then you go to the donor bed and the actual act of giving blood is more like 11 to 15 minutes. And then you enjoy juice and cookies. You put that all together, it's just about an hour. Like Andrea said, hospitals rely on blood donations to save lives every day. And while the Red Cross needs all types, the blood type that's most in demand is O negative. O negative is a universal donor. The best way to help is to simply donate and encourage your family, friends, and neighbors to do the same. 
you can make an appointment right from the New York Blood Center homepage at nybc.org. You can also make a donation or find a blood drive through the Red Cross at redcrossblood.org. We've linked to both websites in our show notes. If you need help making an appointment or want to learn more about how this shortage impacts our community, you can read our full story at epicenter-nyc.com. And you can always get in touch with us directly at hello at epicenter-nyc.com. Finally, a new weekly segment with our community manager focused on COVID-19 here in New York City. Hey, how's it going, everyone? It's Daniel LaPlaza again with our COVID question of the week. All right, so recently we've been getting some questions about the free at-home tests the government will be mailing out to households across the country. In case you don't know already, starting today, you can sign up to get four free COVID tests through the covidtest.gov website. Keep in mind, this is four free tests per household, not per person. Unfortunately, if you have a large family or live in a multi-generational household, that four test limit still applies. To submit the order, you'll need to enter your name, email address, and mailing address. Then, according to the website, they should ship out within 7 to 12 days. Remember, please check in on your neighbors who aren't too computer savvy to make sure that they get their tests too. And if you have any issues, give us a call at 917-818-2690. If you've never used an at-home test before, there'll be instructions that come along with it. The CDC also has detailed instructions on their website, which we've linked to in the show notes. The best time to use the tests is if you start to have COVID symptoms or if you're about to gather with a group of friends. You should also take one if you think you've been exposed, but make sure to wait at least five days to account for that incubation period. While the at-home test isn't as accurate as the PCR test, there are one more tool we can use to keep ourselves and our neighbors safe. If you have any questions about tests, guidance, vaccines, or anything else COVID-related, please send me an email. You can reach me at daniel at epicenter-nyc.com. That's all for today. Thanks for tuning in. Make sure to subscribe to our newsletter at epicenter-nyc.com to stay in touch. Our intro music is All the Pretty Horses by Karavika. You can find more of their music on their website linked to in our podcast description.